UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a fascinating guest back with me today. I think this is the third time that he's been on my show. Um, he just wrote a couple of new books in 2021, and um, we haven't covered these yet. So, and for all I know, he might have written a new book that I, I don't, I haven't found out about yet. But I mean, the, the his newest books are Quantum Immortality, The Hypersoul in the Afterlife, and Invader Moon, Who Brought Us the Moon and Why. So get geared up because we're going to be talking about cool topics like that tonight and who i have with me is rob shelsky he's an avid and eclectic writer of both fiction and nonfiction, and averages about four thousand words a day rob with a degree in science has written a large number of factual articles for the former alien skin magazine as well as other magazines such as doorways midnight street internet review of science fiction and many others while at alien skin magazine a resident columnist for seven years rob did a number of investigative articles articles including the paranormal as well as columns about ufos including interviews of those who've had encounters with them he's often over a long period explored alien and ufo question made investigative trips to research ufo spot spots such as pine bush new york gulf breeze florida and other such reasons including brown mountain north carolina and known for the infamous brown mountain lights as well as investigating numerous places known for paranormal activity and i want to give him a big warm welcome to the show rob thank you for coming on my show how are you Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. And I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. Now, before we get into your books, I just wanted to ask you, I, I don't think we ever covered this before. You went to Gulf Breeze and, the, you know, the, the place of the, the that where those that Gulf Breeze sightings were. And you also went to Carolina where the Brown Mountain Lights were. Did you, um, what was it like? Did you find anything? Um, yes, in both instances, in a way, with the first one and definitely with the second one. With the first one, when I got there, it was late uh, afternoon, almost sunset. And I met an old couple at a picnic table by the edge of the water there. And I sat down, and they said, do you mind if we sit here? I said, no. And they sat, and I said, um, uh, I couldn't help but ask. I said, well, why are you here? And they said, well, we're here to see the UFOs. And I said, really? Because one was a bioengineer, and the other one was a chemical uh, analyst analyst and um i said so have you seen ufos before yeah the first one we saw was in 1947 and then they proceeded to tell me all about it and they showed me photos they had polaroids and i was pretty impressed and there's quite a group of us there and of course cars would go by honking the horns because they knew why we were there. now did i see anything that night i saw one strange light i couldn't explain what it was it was just a greenish light that traveled across the sky wasn't a plane, wasn't a helicopter, wasn't a balloon. And drones were 
just coming out at that point in time, so that didn't count either. But um, they had been there before and seen them a lot. And I said, well, if you've seen them so many times for so many decades, why are you here tonight? And they said, because we want to know, Rob. We want to know what you're talking about. I said, so just seeing them over and over and taking photos wasn't enough. They go, no. And I thought that was really, really intriguing. And I absolutely believed them, saw the photos. They weren't um, the kind you could be touched because they were the Polaroid. And uh, the other one, the other case was, um, you see, I've been a lot of places. Where did you say the other one was? <laughs> I was up at Pine Bush. And I was the the, the uh, Gulf Breeze. Oh, yeah. The, well, that was Gulf Breeze. And what was the other one you mentioned? Um, Carolina, the, the Brown oh, oh, Carolina Brown Lights. Yeah, you're right. That was quite a long time ago. I went there, it was near Sunset, and it was the highway to Morganton, North Carolina, foothills of the mountains, the rich mountains, and there was a big sign, state sign, that said, turn out for Brown Mountain Lights. So I turned out there, and there's a whole string of us cars there, and it was just almost sunset, not quite. It was extremely windy, about 45 miles an hour, and it was cold, it was late autumn. There were no leaves on the trees, so it was a good time to try to view something. And sure enough, we saw these white lights start to come up from the ridge of the mountain and go straight up. Now, I know what they weren't. They weren't airplanes. They weren't balloons. No balloon would go in a straight line in 45-degree wind. They were not helicopters. They went up slowly, and they went in a straight line until they just sort of popped out of existence at a, quite a considerable altitude. And then later, we saw one by the road, and it followed along the road and was heading up towards Boom, which is up in the mountains. And people in Boom said they have seen them there, too, as well. What these were, I don't know, but I know what they weren't. And I have to tell you, I can't account for these things. In my article that I wrote for the magazine, I said that they might be piezoelectric displays because the mountain has a lot of quartzite in it. Uh, it can't be swamp gas. We're, on, we're talking on top of a ridge of a mountain. No, nothing in the way of gas. So, and they date back centuries. They date back to the American colonists in the 1700s and prior. The Native American populations there referred to them as excuse me, the lights of uh, Indian maids looking for their warriors who were killed in battle moving up and down the hillside. Which is intriguing. That uh, mountain, Brown Mountain Lights have been in TV shows, in movies, in songs, and in books. Murder mysteries were written around the Brown Mountain Lights. Um, X-Files did a whole episode on the Brown Mountain Lights. They are real. I don't know what they are. I have evidence. I took photos of it and turned them over to the magazine and they now you know what's interesting, Rob? Um, I talked to Mary Joyce of uh, Skyships Over Cashiers. You know, she—that's the name of her website, Skyships Over Cashiers. And she's been like, she's kind of like an investigative journalist, like you are. And she, uh, she writes books as well. But she lives in the the small town of Cashiers in North Carolina, and she gets sightings there all the time. Something is definitely big going on in North Carolina. Now I know there might be some like she told me there might be some hidden bases there as well. Have you ever heard about that? Well, <clears throat> X-Files kind of delved into that. They also involved Bigfoot. There's a lot of Bigfoot sightings in that re region, and X-Files connected the Bigfoot and UFOs and an underground base up in the mountains. It could well be. I mean, these are very old mountains. They're worn down quite a bit, but they're still about 4,500 feet at the peaks. And being what they're made of, quartzite and limestone, it could definitely be caves and caverns. I never found any, but I wasn't really looking for those. Yeah, um, but, but I'm guessing they're probably really cloaked too. You know what I mean? Like they, they're they're probably like 
impossible to find you know like I don't, I don't know like did i ever talk to you about hollow earth like i'm going to i mean i know you've written books on almost everything like you but like what are your thoughts on hollow earth and 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 I mean, not just hollow earth but like the fact that there might be a civilization or multiple civilizations living in earth and and i'll just give some examples there's a woman on youtube her name's reptilian hybrid housewife I've told my subscribers to go follow her. She supposedly says she has pictures of inner earth and, you know, she shows them on her YouTube channel. I don't know how real they are, you know, but like, it's, it's fun to watch, you know, it's fun to look at and, and imagine like maybe this is actually real, but I mean, what do you think the chances are of there being something down, down something down there? Well, there's some intriguing possibilities. For one thing, no commercial airline is allowed to fly over the poles whether it's the South Pole or the North Pole. They can fly up near it, around Greenland and Iceland, but they can't fly over the pole. Why? Um, different explorers have cited seeing entrances to what they think is an underworld. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I think it's more likely the moon might have huge caverns in it or be hollow, based on the evidence available from that, and actually some evidence, including some active birds, and also some stuff that was going on near the Antarctica, intimates there could be something there. Is there an inner earth? Well, we find out there's an inner earth ocean that we didn't realize existed that has more water in it than all the oceans on the surface of the earth combined. Now, is this in collecting caverns and spaces as well as being permeated in rocks? They don't know. But they have found evidence that there's a lot of water in the earth's mass. So, could be. Could be yeah, and then you have, you have the stories of like Phil Schneider who says he was like digging for you know he was like a geologist or something and he encountered grays under under the the, the uh you, i'm sure you know that story and he supposedly got shot by a gray or something like that and it opened up his chest and do you, do you follow that the story of phil schneider your your audio is cutting out oh i'm sorry can you hear me yeah now i can oh, okay i'm not sure why it cut out uh, maybe Zoom, huh? Hopefully. It, it was just me. like, it was like fading. It was like, I don't know if it's your, your if you maybe have to get closer to the microphone or if it's yeah, the Yeah, I'm about as close as I can get to it. It's about one foot from my mouth. You sound perfect now. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just keep it right where it is. I just moved it a little to try to improve it. So, Sorry. Uh, I, uh, I have no idea if Hollow Earth is real or not. Again, there's some tantalizing information but i haven't seen any hard evidence per se except maybe for admiral bird for this flight over antarctica i get too close confused but um it's uh there's been stories about north the north pole and stories about the south pole but you know i don't know how there could be an entrance at the north pole there's no land there it's all sea ice maybe it's under the ocean well it could be and we do have usos you know, the uh, submerged uh, unidentified flying objects that come up in and out of the water. Even Columbus cited those when he was off the, um, in the Caribbean. He wrote it down in his logs that some strange lights came up out of the water, were very near the ship, and then shot off into the sky. So this sort of thing dates way back. This idea that things are coming up out of volcanoes or out of caverns and mountain ranges or um, out of the ocean. Now, whether they're coming out of the ocean or out of caverns or out of both, I don't know. But, um, I do wonder if there isn't another separate civilization on Earth. The latest book I'm working on, just about done, is called The Shadow World. It's about the idea that we don't have supernatural or paranormal or anything that exists in nature in any way. 
would have to be considered normal, not supernormal or supernatural or paranormal. And it's pretty evident that the Earth as we know it may exist in more than one dimension and in more than one way at the same time. If you believe in string theory, it could be anywhere from 11 to 18 dimensions that the Earth exists in at any given moment along with the rest of the universe. But it could be that what we think of as separate dimensions may not be at all. They just may be part of a greater reality. For instance, let me see if I can come up with Okay, here's an example. <clears throat> Go into a room. completely blank and empty. And you report it in your journal as being completely empty and blank. It contains nothing. But then someone comes in years later and shines an ultraviolet in the room. And you see the entire history of humanity written on the walls in some strange script. But you couldn't see it if you didn't have that ultraviolet light. So it was there all the time. We just couldn't see it. And we've extended our spectrum of the electromagnetic um, way up and down the uh, spectrum with X-rays and uh, infrared and ultraviolet and all of that, radio waves. But that doesn't mean that we still see all of the universe. Our senses are very limited. Our senses, and everything we see and touch and feel and taste is just a recreation in our brain of what's out there. And our brain may not be recreating a lot of stuff, so I don't know. So, let me get. Do you think that like the paranormal kind of bleeds into our reality sometimes? Like that 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 sometimes like like uh, like things from other dimensions kind of pop into our reality, like shadow people, cryptids, ghosts. Or, well, I, oh, and that's another question: Do ghosts and these things exist in the same realm, or do you think the afterlife is a separate realm from whatever these paranormal things are coming from? reality is only a small portion of it. I think there's a greater reality by far. I don't think it's necessarily separate dimensions or something completely. And that's the whole idea of my shadow world idea, the theory. It actually explains all of that. It explains ghosts. It explains cryptids. It explains UFOs. It explains all of it. That it's all here, but we're just only catching glimpses of it. Everyone has seen something move out of the corner of their eyes and turn their head to get a better look at it, and nothing's there shadow maybe sometimes it's just a tree moving a branch moving in the wind something outside your window but not always and if you go on youtube there's even um, videos caught of some of these things and it's pretty spooky stuff now what are these things what are shadow people they seem to exist there's video after video that sort of catches them shadows i've i caught one i was um, investigating a haunted mansion up in south ohio the prospect mansion and while we were in the barn, and there was a group of us, we were up in the loft, and they were shining a light across from the loft to the other side of the roof of the barn and the wall there. And suddenly, the shadow moved across that wall. Now, the only way you could have had that shadow there was if someone had walked in front of the light. The light was directly in front of us, shining across the way. No one moved in front of that light, and they videoed it. And there is a video. You can see it. What that was, I don't know. I can't account for it. And when you see enough of this, you have to begin to suspect something's going on. But just because we can't feel it, see it, or taste it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And it doesn't have to be in some weird alternate reality or other world. It could be right here. We just don't know it. Is there a civilization below ground or below water? There could well be. Lots of UFOs come across. Could there be uh, things flying around in our atmosphere that we don't know? Uh, that might actually even live there or exist there or even in space near the Earth? Again, we just don't know. Astronauts seem to see a lot of stuff while in orbit around the Earth, a tremendous amount, especially
and space station. Stuff we can't count for. Everything from cone shaped objects to rods, disks, to strange lights moving in ways that simply can't be accounted for. It was even what they thought was some kind of a snake in space near the space station. That's what it looked like to the astronauts involved. That's how they described it, like a big, big snake. So, so, is it so, so like, do you think, like, oh, I'm sorry, I just wanted to get this, like, so do you think, like, maybe the people up in the space station, like, that it's because of their perception of reality. It's because of what they can see from the electromagnetic light spectrum. Like there could be this whole other world around them existing. It's just, we cannot see it because our perception of the electromagnetic light spectrum. And also maybe this, in other ways, not just the electromagnetic uh, spectrum, but other spectrum as well. A cat and dog can see up to 400, uh, smell up to 400 times more than we can. Imagine they can smell that we have no idea exists. But it's there, it's real, they can smell it, we just can't. Imagine what they can feel and touch, certain animals who have a much higher sensitivity that way that we can't. Same problem. Same with seeing things, same with hearing things. Uh, people around the world are hearing strange hums, they're recording strange noises in the sky, some are hoaxes, a lot of them are not. And they sound like trumpets, people have said it was the apocalypse, the end of the world, the announcement of the end of days. We don't know what they are, but it sounds like heavy metal being moved around in the sky. It always seems to come from the sky. And sometimes it can be because of machinery or something near a city, but other cases are out in the country, and they're getting these strange noises in the heavens around them. And it spooks people. It scares them. So where is this stuff coming from? Is it coming from other realities, or is it just an extension of our own? Well, um, let me ask you this. What do you think is going on in the moon? And because uh, you you've written two books on the moon. One's called Invader Moon, Who Brought Us the Moon and Why? And then your older book is called For the Moon is Hollow and Aliens Rule the Sky. Like, I love these these two books. Like, these sound fascinating. And I think any of my subscribers, when, once I put this out, they should go out and get them. Like, because I have a lot of people that are interested in the moon. I mean, here's here's my question. Like, do, do you think like the, the, the people, like if they're drilling on the moon or whatever they're doing up there, if there's civilizations up there, do you think the people from the space station would see it or, and they're just being like told to hush up about it? Or like, do you think the space station's fake? Or I mean, like, in, cause a lot of people give NASA a lot of, a lot of crap, you know what I mean? So like, I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on, on what's going on with the moon? Well, I did write two other books as well, Darkest Side of the Moon, They Are Watching Us, and also Invader Moon. And I think there has been some kind of alien civilization on the moon a long time ago. And there's enough evidence to suppose it might still be there watching us. And something has to explain why we haven't landed on the moon with people in 50 years. What, I mean, what's going on? Why did we... Why were we capable of it in 1969 and the 1970s, but we're not easily capable of it now? I mean, the computer on board Apollo 11 was a pocket calculator now. We have so much more technology available to us. So why aren't we going back to the moon? And they say we are, but it keeps being postponed or delayed or something seems to come up. Everyone's orbiting the moon and putting landers on it, but nobody's landing on the moon anymore. Now, I would like to see them land on the moon. And there's certain places that seem to be off limits. There's so much going on at Aristarchus Crater that we should be landing a ship there, but we're not, none is scheduled to land ever. Why not? That's all the sightings of a lot of stuff. Blue glows, blue mist, strange fogs, clouds, beacons, flashing lights, tracks, things moving across the surface, lightning. 
In fact, there's so many things like this with the Aristarchus crater that astronomers nicknamed it the blue channel because so often you see blue lighting inside of it, but no other craters around it. They can't account for it. They thought maybe it was like dawn or sun rising or something, but they um, they really can't account for it because none of the other craters nearby seem to be doing that, just that one. Even in Apollo 11, they noticed a strange blue shimmer on the surface as they passed over that area. Why wouldn't we land a ship there? They would always land on the uh, Maria, those big flat plains of lava. That's fascinating. Um, so do you think there, what do you, who do you think this alien civilization is? Do you think it, if you had to speculate, do you think it's a human alien civilization or do you think it's like uh, the little greys or, uh, or do you think it's multi beings or what, what are your thoughts? Um, any and all of the above actually. <laughs> it could have been an ancient human civilization, an offshoot of us on earth. That would seem logical because they may not be human, but they could be from earth originally and made their home on the moon for some reason or other. It could be another alien race. Uh, whoever they are, they seem to be watching us. That's why my first book on the subject says, Darker Side of the Moon, they are watching us. There's a number of reasons I think that. First of all, the transient lunar phenomena that NASA itself has recorded and investigated and had people research date back 500 years. That was arbitrary because they wanted to be during the time of television, even reliable. But strange sightings on the moon date back to the 11th century A.D. and more. We don't know. We can't account for it. How could an airless, supposedly dead body have volcanoes, as several uh, astronomers reported back in the late 1800s? And not just one, but several around the world in these last few months. The moon's supposed to be dead geologically. Why are we seeing beacons, flashes of light, blue mist, smoke? Why are we seeing strange structures that appear and then disappear? Two different astronomers noticed a bridge on the moon that looked like a large rock, rock bridge. And they both reported it, and they both lived in different places on Earth. Then, oddly, the bridge seems to have vanished. It's no longer in any photos of the moon. Is NASA verbatim? Yeah, I think so. I think there is a campaign to try to, try to keep it quiet. And there's a lot of reasons for that. To avoid panic, to get the upper edge of any technology not to be discovered, to keep the other countries that were competition behind us in the race. Uh, something's going on. Something's going on. And I don't think these are necessarily believed. I don't know if they're moral, immoral, or amoral. I suspect they're amoral by our standards. They don't seem to care about human rights at all. They invade our skies. They buzz our planes. They buzz our military bases. They injure people. They wreck equipment. They steal water. They uh, make people sick. And this just goes on. Everyone says, oh, well, those are just accidents. Well, the accidents keep piling up. And the number of deaths due to UFO sightings in, in the world have really accumulated over the years. Yeah, and you wrote a book about this. You wrote a book, Deadly UFOs, um, and the disappeared. Now, um, does, does the disappeared part tie into what we would call the, the missing 411? Do you feel like people are disappearing because of UFOs? I think, well... Okay, I'll go by the FBI statistics, which say more people disappear permanently every year than I do. I guess about 50,000. The FBI says 60,000 on average per year disappear permanently from America alone. Now, we're not, they're not counting people who were murdered and the bodies were found or people who stole the other spouse's children and ran off with them. 
or people who decided to start a new life and go under a new identity. They're talking about people who have just simply vanished from the country permanently, forever, and never come back. And they can't account for 60,000 a year, according to the FBI. Australia mentioned as many as 30,000 disappeared one year. Now, we have a population of 300 million. They have a population of about 26 million. That's a heck of a lot. The Alaska Triangle, up to 7% of the entire Alaskan population over the last 15 years has disappeared in the Alaska Triangle. Then you have the, um, oh, I can't think of any of it, this one up in New England too, oh, the Bennington Triangle, I think. And, I know there's uh, the Bridgewater Triangle. There's the, um, uh, they have a lot of strange stuff going on there. But, but why do you think these triangle areas, I mean, that's really fascinating. Like, why do you think the, the triangle areas are getting so much attention? And why do you think they're snatching people from there? Well, are disappearing permanently and they've been referred to as the vile vortices and I think there's like 12 of them around the earth the devil's triangle off the coast of southeast asia is far worse for shipwrecks and disappearances than the bermuda triangle a lot in the bermuda triangle also there's one in the sahara and the one in sahara is weird because there's an area in the sahara where nothing will live not even insects and there's one scientist who is driving into the area with his dog and his son story and he decided to stop the car and investigate a little further to find out because he was there on research for another thing and had heard about it and wanted to check it out so the dog had started acting really upset as they drove into the area <clears throat> and the boy didn't want to get out of the car so the father got out of the car and he walked off into the desert a ways to look for insects as any sign of life and um, he heard screaming from the car and a lot of barking so he ran back to the car, and he opened the door, and the dog burst out past him and raced off into the desert and was never seen again. And the boy was dead. The dog had killed the boy. He never showed any sign of aggression in all the years he'd had the dog. Wait, you, cut, you kind of cut out there. I'm sorry. Like, what, what happened? The dog killed the boy? Or no? Yes. The dog apparently killed the boy in the car, tore him apart, and then when he opened the door, the dog raced out of the car and raced off into the desert. I'm moving my microphone to the screen. I wonder what happened. What What do you think caused the dog to do that? Like, Rob, are you still there? Oh, you're muted. Hold on, I'll pause it. That's okay. Um, so what, what What do you think happened with this dog? Do you think it got possessed or something? Like, or just was a freak accident? I think there's something to do with I don't know about human life, but there's a lot of reports of people disappearing in that area too for no apparent reason. That particular area of the Sahara. So it's hard to say, uh, but that is one of the uh, so-called triangles. So the Sahara, Bermuda, at the same latitude, we have the one off the Southeast Asian coast, and these seem to circle the Earth above the uh, equator and below the equator. We can't account for wild vortices is as good a name as any of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking about the Alaska Triangle. Like, it's 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 really seems a little real real dangerous up there. I wonder if it's like an an ethnic thing. Like, if they want to take a certain kind of people, or you know, like it, it makes you wonder that because, like, I mean, did you ever look into like what kind of races or people are being taken? Yeah, I have. I researched that pretty thoroughly. Um, 
seems to be predominantly white people from what I can find out. Other people are, are taken too, uh, uh, African Americans, Native Americans, but probably because we've been the majority for so long, it's the history of it's mostly been white people, but it's not all white people. Uh, I don't think they're particularly friendly about their speeches. Maybe there's more than one race and one is and one isn't. I gave a presentation in Baltimore and one of the audience didn't like the fact that I considered aliens dangerous. And so I said, if you see a UFO, and it looks like it's approaching you, run. Run and find coverage somewhere under a bridge, under an overpass, whatever, but run. Because whatever they do to you is against human rights. Merely abducting you is against human rights. Subjecting you to um, experimentation and tortures, would amount to tortures, and not caring at all. Oh, yes, they blank your mind so you don't remember it. That's what you didn't experience at the time, and then go through basically hell while you were there. And some people from 60,000 a year disappear. Maybe not all with UFOs or missing uh, 411, but some of them can be accounted for other ways, but we're still talking about Multiply that times all the countries of the world, 60,000 years, 30,000 in Australia, how many in Canada, how many in Russia, how many in China, and you have a vast number of people from this not dying, not just walking away from their lives, not, you know, running from the law. I'm talking about people who just disappear. In China, a whole village of people disappear. Oh, my God, a whole village? Yep. It happened in Canada, too, with the Anjikuni up in village disappeared and the graves were all uh, rearranged all the stones had been removed and stacked and uh, food was still in pots it was cold but like it would have been like a day or so but this is actually ran away from the village and they even left their dogs to starve tied up in the village wow i mean well i mean like what do you think, how, how do you think they could pull off a mass abduction like that? I mean, that, would we even be able to speculate? Like, it's not even, I mean, that sounds like, that sounds so wild. Like, how, do, I, I mean, like, they must have, like, really insane tech. I mean, we know they have insane technology, but I mean, like, it would have to be, like, or I wonder how they even do that. It's, it, here's, here's what it makes me think of. It makes me think of the missing 411 cases where people, um, you know, like there'll be a guy walking and then his son will be walking close behind him and then he'll turn around and his son disappears all of a sudden. So that makes me think that like, what kind of technology do they have that they're able to just pluck someone right off the earth like that without someone else knowing that's right, right near them? You know what I mean? Yes, and also all their belongings. Occasionally they'll find shoes. It seems like a lot of people in, in the District 411 lose their shoes. It's possible. They find the shoes, but not the people. And they don't know why the people would take their shoes off because sometimes it's heavy snow that they're, they disappear in. Um, what they're doing, I, they may be descending to earth and grabbing these people, and they may simply have cloaking devices. Um, it may be that they're very good at cloaking devices. We're getting darn good with our stealth bombers and fighter jets right now. We even have a, a cloaking cloak case that works pretty darn well. I mean, so maybe they have, they've progressed along. I mean, their technology must be way ahead of ours, so why wouldn't they have this kind of ability? Well, yeah, they could just be descending and cloaking these people, cloak of sound and sight. Again, we're talking about that greater reality where we only perceive what we can see, touch, taste, and feel, and that's very limited. And um, so it could very well be that they have that kind of capability and very probably do. 
I see just a heck of a lot. I managed to get a hold of uh, some night vision goggles for a couple of weeks, and somebody said, get these if you can, Rob, and look at the night sky, and I did. And I was amazed at how much stuff I saw in the night sky. wasn't planes, wasn't helicopters, wasn't drones. And uh, it was incredible. Triangular-shaped objects darting along the sky. One even looked like a flight. But uh, there's a lot more going on than we realize. We're not perceiving all the reality. We're only seeing what we can see with what we've developed in the way of technology. Do you, you know what, Rob? This makes me think that this is like set up this way on purpose. Like, like we're like this is like some kind of matrix, or in we're in some kind of simulation where like we're only supposed to see something. Like, I I don't know what it is. It drives me crazy. Like because it, it like the fact that like we're our senses are so limited makes me think we're in some kind of imprisoned reality. Does that make any sense or no? Uh, yeah, it does. I, I think that what we are is in some kind of program that is capable of generating probabilities. And I think from any instant to the next, we think we're solid and real when really we're not. We're just probability collapsing over and over every instant from moment to moment. The best way I could describe it is if, let's say you had a, a person on a train, and the train was static, it wasn't moving. The person was walking from car to car, the train, which gives them the appearance of motion and time. And actually, the train isn't moving at all. Uh, it would be, uh, well, there's one scientist who thinks there's a 100% probability that we're in a simulation. And he says, if we were in a simulation, and I may have mentioned this before, but if we're in a simulation, the simulation can't go faster than processing speed of the computer. There would be a limit to how fast our universe could, anything could move in it, and it couldn't be faster than the processing speed of the computer. And there is a limit. You know what it is. Yeah, well, we, yeah, it's uh, we're very limited. Like, but no, um, I mean, do you know what that limit, processing speed limit, is for our universe? No, what is it? Speed of light. Nothing can go faster than the speed of light. He says that's the processing speed of the computer that's running our simulation, and of course, we can't move faster than the processing speed of the computer we're on. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. But like, what are your thoughts on like um? like 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 getting into stuff like the secret space program and like you know the fact that we might already have technology that does go pa past the speed of light like going through portals and wormholes you know kind of all this stuff we hear i mean we know they have the tr3b like that's that's a given and i've heard that they have like you know battleships too and you know they've even named them like they they named the one the admiral hillencotter I don't know if this is just UFO folklore or if this is like, this is reality. Like I, I want to find out though. Like, I mean, I guess that's kind of why I do this. Like, but like, I'd love to know, like, I mean, supposedly Gary Hint McKinnon hacked into the Navy computer and he found those Navy, those battleship destroyers. Are you talking about the autistic young man in England that was done a trial and they wanted to try to extradite him to America by broken into that? Yeah. Yeah. He, he named some of the ships of the fleet. I don't think he has a ulterior motive. Now, he may just be not only autistic, but disturbed in some way and blind. 
him and seen him on numerous interviews. I've watched British news a lot. I don't think he's lying. Whatever he's saying, he believes at least that it's real. So, and he says he found this stuff. And the government sure as heck was mad at him. <laughs> yeah. Sure him, you know, our government's very good at, at trying to really crush any kind of uh, divulging of secrets. Our government has become a secret state. In fact, Senator Inouye, long-term senator from Hawaii, who is now deceased, he said there exists a hidden government with its own military, its own navy, and its own air force. And he was convinced of that. And he wasn't nuts. He wasn't crazy. So, but um, I, I, I think that he may be right. And there's other instances, too. Again, the evidence is there, and it's tantalizing, but it's not major evidence. It's not kick the tires of that battleship kind of evidence that you'd like to have. It's not a photograph of me standing next to the mothership. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm a I'm a kick the tire kind of guy. I find all this intriguing, tantalizing. I want to know more, and I wonder if it's real. And I believe there is substantial evidence, so much as clues that it might be real, but nothing, no smoking gun. Well, what are your thoughts on the TR3B? Um, TR3B is that the big triangular thing you're talking? About? Yeah, it's supposedly the triangle that we have. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, well, they started that information with the Aurora program, and they were saying that they think it exists, and it uses ramjets, scramjets, and uh, rocket propulsion, and they said the thing was incredibly fast, and that could have been the forerunner of the triangle. I think the triangle exists. I think it exists. I think the government has closed down and hidden so much from us. Is this foreign stuff from another world or another dimension, or is it our own government? My only problem with it being our own government is we had a get some real science to get this stuff done. And in the 1940s and 50s, we just didn't have it. We barely won World War II. You know, so where did the science come from? Did it come from crashed UFOs? It very well could have. I mean, when it comes to our government, I'm sorry, but I am a, a bit of a conspiracy theorist that way. The government lies to us all the time about the most inconsequential things. It hides things. It changes the story. Roswell is a perfect example. The guy, the lieutenant, uh, shows pieces, his photographs taking in the local newspaper of Roswell, calls it a flying disc, but all of a sudden it's a weather balloon, and then years go by, and people keep badgering the government about it, and they say, uh, it was a Russian secret weather balloon. And then a little, uh, a few years after that, oh, it was a Russian uh, secret balloon, and it was carrying dummies. Yet the people found the bodies they were not done. So, and people on their deathbed, including uh, the lieutenant involved, on his deathbed made a confession that it was real. He retracted at the time, but on, when someone's dying, they have nothing to lose. Yeah, I always bring up Colonel Corso, like of, of what Colonel Corso said about Roswell. He said he was assigned certain stuff to uh, give out to like technology, you know, um, like he, he was. Oh, yes, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And Hangar 18 and all of that as well. Yeah, and then um, there's people like William Tompkins. Who, William Tompkins said the speaker space program is very real and that, you know, like his his story is really compelling too. Like, um, it's 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 it seems, it seems like the information's out there, but it's like, will we ever know? You know, will we ever know for sure? I don't think I don't think we will. I think we're going to well, be. Uh, we're, we're learning. 
as our own technology, the civilian technology advances, we now have satellites that are as good as America's spy satellites were in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And uh, uh, Google Earth has to fix uh, this Quest, not just ours, but all governments, they do it. And uh, so there is that to consider. Then, of course, you've got the Mandela effect and all these disappearing islands. And I'm, I really am beginning to wonder about reality, period. All of this seems too much just to be interdimensional or uh, extraterrestrials. It seems like it's going to be much more well And the only two things I can honestly come up that would explain all this is the idea of a shadow world, in other words, a, a greater reality that we know exists, and it's a part of our reality. It's not a separate universe, a separate reality. It's a part of our reality, or we're living in some kind of a matrix simulation. I don't know. It's just how do take these sightings of photos of cryptids, uh, stuff like the Mothman, and the Mothman's a good example. Now, the Mothman seemed to be able to see the future and always wanted to show up where disasters were going to occur. Whether it was in, what was it, Point Pleasant or Mount West Point, Point Pleasant. There you go. And also um, in Chicago and also uh, Azerbaijan and places like that with the earthquakes, uh, the Twin Towers. So how do they know? How can they see the future? But we can't. Well, I may have mentioned this to you before. If you live in a valley in primitive times, huge mountain peaks around you, say like the Rockies, you live your whole life in that valley. If you live the whole life in that valley, you don't know beyond what reality is beyond that. That's your entire world. You can see far. And then you realize there's a lot more to see. Well, the Mothman may be like that. He may in such a way that reality to him isn't just set in our own time, but he can see into the future. I don't know the past, the future. We can't, but it's just because we have a limited perspective. We're stuck in the valley, he's on a mountaintop. It doesn't require a different reality, it just requires a different perspective in our same reality. I, I, I totally agree. I, I never thought about it like that. Like One thing, one last thing I wanted to ask you about before we finish up for tonight was um your new book, Quantum Immortality, The Hypersoul and the Afterlife. Like, can you talk about that a little bit and like, uh, yeah, just because it sounds awesome. Yeah, it started with uh, when I was reading about the thought experiment about if quantum reality is real and every probability has to be played out in reality, and every time you make a decision, another reality occurs where you made that decision and collapses and becomes real, but in, you made a different decision in this reality, and so you're collapsed and in this reality, and it changes from instant to instant. And if that's the case, this thought experiment said, well, if someone dies in this reality, there must be another reality where they didn't die, where at that same instant they went on living instead of dying. So although to everyone standing around your bedside watching you breathe your last in this reality thinks you died, for you it didn't. You're still lying in that bed and people are still standing around you. And this could go on forever. Every time you die in one reality, there's another reality created where you didn't die. So you have quantum immortality this was so, a thought experiment so let me ask you this so do you think like like we 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 still live this exact life that we're living now like because you know it's weird rob i've i've thought about this before i've said to myself like i wonder if i've lived this exact life before like because basically like deja vu 
and like just thinking that I've done things before. So it's made me think that like I've done this and and like maybe like we're here to re-experience it so we do it right, but maybe we keep making mistakes so we keep coming back and then but so it's not even like a reincarnation thing. It could be like that we're experiencing this exact life over and over again. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, I I don't think that's the case unless we're stuck in a loop and we have to keep getting it right, which is kind of like a karmic law. I think what the universe seems to be quantum. I mean, more and more we've come to realize that the most tested theory in the history of science is quantum theory. It has been tested hundreds of times in hundreds of ways and has never failed yet is the most sound theory we've developed so far about any science subject, far more so than even evolution or anything else. So quantum theory seems to work. Quantum theory says that if something has anything more than a zero probability that given enough time and the right circumstances, it's about to happen. Say you found a gold pocket watch in the desert. Would you assume that it just came together by accident or that someone left it there i don't know i would think i would think that someone kind of left it there right it's what we would think because we're rational human beings in a rational solid classic physics world but not necessarily the case given enough time in the right circumstances the probability although very low still exists that that gold watch could occur by natural means by accident and if you want to punch your hand through a wall without breaking your hand you could do it a thousand, a million, a billion, a trillion times and every time break your hand. And sooner or later, that hand will go through that wall. According to, it's a very low probability, but it exists. And according to quantum mechanics, if it exists at all, sooner or later, somehow it has to play out. So if our reality is constantly collapsing, every time a decision is made, whether an atom decides to split or not, or you decide to go to the movies or not, then every possible version of this reality and every possible variation of it and permutation of it must exist. And if that's the case, our souls may be connected to every one of ourselves and all those alternate realities on some level. And it may be the collective subconscious level. Uh, maybe you just get flashes of it. Uh, it may be that we're constantly quantum jumping and sometimes we get a glimpse of what the other versions of ourselves are thinking and that may be your deja vu your feeling but also i just thought about this too um going back to kind of what we said before like with the simulation theory this would it's almost like we can only perceive this reality except for people who you know like bob monroe and many other people have astral traveled so it seems like people get a glimpse of the astral world people have alien contact good and bad so you know they have a they have a uh you know, a glimpse into that reality, which some people think is similar to the astral reality. Some people have physical experiences. Some people are able to remote view and get themselves out of their body that way. Some people are able to bilocate. Um, you know, uh, some people were able to meditate and get into like alternate states, um, psychedelic journeys. You know, people are able to get a glimpse of another world, but it seems like we're very much imprisoned to this reality. And I don't want to keep saying imprisoned because I know that's not really fair to like, because I, I see a lot of benevolence in this world too. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like a hater on this reality, but like, it just seems like there's a lot of trauma that comes along with it. And, you know, like, I mean, I've been kind of going through something hard lately. So I think my feelings are more skewed towards something negative, but 
I don't know. Like, uh, uh, you, you kind of. Well, I disagree with you. I think it is very negative. You know, the Gnostics thought that centuries, a couple thousand years ago. Um, I, I don't know much about their religion, but I do know that they believed there were two gods. There was the God who created the world and the material world that we see, but then there was the true God of the spirit who wasn't that way. And the God that created the material world was a flawed God. Uh, I've always wondered why uh, everything has to die, why everything has to eat everything else that's alive. Every single thing that's alive has to, in some way, eat something else if it's an animal or an insect. That uh, even plants will eat other plants and other people. I mean, not people, but other uh, insects and things. You know, I mean, the fly trap, pitcher plants, all that sort of thing. And I don't understand why the universe had to be created to be so negative. Oh, it has its beauty and its life and its love. But as one uh, philosopher said, all love ends in pain. All love, without exception, ends in pain, one way or the other. Why? I can't account for that. Can you? I, I don't know, but that's kind of what I'm going through right now. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> like, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm 43 years old and every love I've ever had ended in pain. Like, besides the love for my parents, you know what I mean? But I mean, like, and, but like, you know, like every girlfriend I've ever had ended up in like total, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it, it, it didn't yeah. turn out well. Like, um, but you know what? It's not me. I'm not the only one. You know, like, it's like. No, uh, no, you are the only one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, from what, from being in the podcast, I talked to a lot of people and a lot of people are going through this right now, too. I don't know if it's something with the energies of, you know, like, you know, it's weird going back to the moon, Rob. I was thinking, like, you know, when there's a full moon people act completely insane. I don't know if it's, and somebody told me it's the energies that are sent off from the moon. You know, it's, it's, but it, I mean, if you ever, I'm sure you've noticed this cause you're like an avid researcher. Like, have you noticed how crazy people act when there's a full moon? And I'm not, it's not even just a, like a, like a, it's really something that I've really noticed, you know? People, full moon, cops arrest more people during a full moon. All this happens, but there could be a very simple explanation. I have researched it. And the simplest explanation is that during a full moon, it's much lighter outside than at any other time. So it's easier to mug people, to rob people, to stay up late because the light's so bright, and you can party later. And especially on weekends, they've noticed on weekends it's worse than if the full moon is during the week. So I think it's just the fact that it's so bright out that people are still up. And when people are still up, they do things, sometimes stupid things, dangerous things, and even illegal thing well i mean that's a that's a theory but i've seen people like you know like i used to have a job like where i worked like in like i, I don't want to talk about it but i mean like i worked with the public let's put it that way and like i i, I would notice the behavior all throughout the day you know what i mean but i i do agree yeah, with you that that but like it's subjective and how much of that is objective yeah that's true like it is true like but you're supposed it, to think it because you've heard it and so you're predisposed to behaviors that always because of the moon when really my this was bad well no i mean it was like multiple things i was noticing and then i remember looking at my girlfriend and i said what is going on with reality why is everybody so crazy and she was like it's a full moon and i was like well that that explains it but you know we, we could have we, we could have just been blaming it on that you know what i mean like you said like glib, but, glib answer when anything goes wrong it's a full during a full moon well it's full moon's fault right could just be that the full moon's at fault because it's so bright out and people are stealing cars more and breaking into houses more 
and getting caught more because you can see them easier. You know, they can't run away on a cloudy, dark night. And that could be the reason. Um, constables in court more, but again, it's usually the crazy things usually happen at night. Which that is true. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I like to think that there's like some energy coming from the moon because I feel like maybe the moon's evil. Like maybe, you know, there's aliens on the moon. Maybe the moon's actually like some soul recycling trap. You know, I, you never know with this moon. I mean, like this moon. Well, you is... have to use Occam's razor. First of all, okay, let's say that every time the moon is full, people act crazy and it's the result of the moon. And then you have to say, well, is there some evil energy that we don't know about? Something that our science can't spot or see during during the with all our technical devices, or is it just because it's bright out at night and more people are out and about and getting in trouble? And you, with Occam's razor, says, well, both explanations are possible, maybe even probable. With Occam's razor, it's always good. Wait, I missed what you said. You kind of cut out. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, always pick the simplest explanation. If there's two explanations that both explain something adequately, then pick the one that seems the simplest. And the simplest one is that the extra light at night is causing people to be crazy rather than that there's some weird energy coming from the moon only during a full moon, and it's been doing this for centuries, and why? Because not only does this have to be true that there's some weird energy coming from the moon, but you also have to why? What is the motivation for that? What is the purpose? It's not stopping civilization from developing. It's not stopping. It's causing mild disruptions during a full moon for the police and hospitals. Not, nothing major. Civilization isn't collapsing or being blown up. So what would be the purpose of that? Yeah, but think about this, Rob. Like even on full moons and even on the equinoxes and, and other holidays, like I, in witchcraft, they do more spells during those times for some reason like you know like a lot of people will be spelled out at night and you can see better and you don't trip over things and step on snakes when you're out there in the middle of that field in your coven <laughs> that's hilarious but i mean like i was but, okay and what about the equinoxes though they they do them on the equinoxes and they have other pagan holidays that they do spells on because they feel like there's an energy there right well again that's 100 subjective yeah, it is. But I mean, like, you know. And yet, and yet there might be something good because ley lines seem to be real. I mean, there's ley lines in Europe, and they found out that all the ancient villages and towns along those ley lines, not all of them, but a lot of them, whatever language they're in, the town has the name Star embedded in the name. Whether it's in Spain and it's called Estrella, which means Star, or whether it's in Italy, or whether it's in England, or Germany, or Scotland. All these towns along these ley lines, not all of them, but a lot of them, much more than the normal percentage of town folk, have the word star in the name of the village or small town. We can't account for that. We don't know why that's so. So are ley lines real? Is there some kind of energy we're not – I'm not discounting it. But again, we have to go – until we know otherwise, until we have evidence otherwise, we simply have to fall back on Occam's razor, which is the science tool. Just more than one explanation for something, go with the simplest. It's usually the correct one. That sounds good. That's that sounds that sounds about right. Um, the the last question I have for you, because I have another show at eight, but I just want to ask you real quick your thoughts on the Mandela effect and why do you think that happens and what do you do you think that's alternate realities? I know we might have talked about it before, but I have a lot of new subscribers. So like I kind I love the Mandela effect. I love studying it. Like I, I don't I don't really study it, but I just like to hear the the funny little things that come out of it, like Bernstein Bears and 
Luke, I'm your father. That would have been way overdone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those have been, been like I'm sure there's a lot of new ones, but like, but like you mentioned, disappearing islands. Like, what what's up with that? Uh, it, it's it's incredible, and I have found my own evidence with regard. By the way, I had a Mandela effect tonight. I have a very old electric frying pan that belonged to my father's mother. She got it in 1947. I have used it on occasion, not very often. I'm not into frying much. But once the blue moon, I'll pull it out and I'll fry. Now, I distinctly remember the lid of that electric frying pan having a little, like, fan-to-out shape at the very center of the top and the cover. And it had a little slide bar, and you could slide it open or closed. And the reason you did that is when you cooked foods and fat that were high in water content, you wanted it to evaporate out so it didn't cause splattering and sputtering. I looked at that a couple months ago. I went to use it, and the lid doesn't have it in it anymore. It's not there, and it was never there by the looks of it. Just a solid lid. I can't account for that. I clearly remember using that stupid lid and opening and closing it at different times over the years. I've had it like 27 years old. I can't explain it. But uh, Mandela effect seems to be real. I uh, did different um, research on it, and I found that in TV shows and movies, you'll see globes with islands on it that don't appear anymore on our globes and maps. There was one case where um, Days of Confused from the early 1990s shows a clear, large island off the coast of Australia that's spinning a globe in a schoolroom, cheaply made movie budget. So they used a real schoolroom and a real class globe. There was an island to the west of Australia right near it, like seven times the size of um, Tasmania. Not there. I, I started looking for old shows, TV shows, and I found an episode in the fourth season of I Dream of Genie, where a guy gets a globe stuck on his head, and he's walking around with it, and it clearly shows an island off the coast of the west coast of South America, right near Antarctica, a large one. It showed mountains and rivers. Wow. There's been other islands found near Australia that weren't Tasmania that are not there. Uh, the map seems to keep changing, and I think it's quantum reality. I think we're bouncing from one probability to another, and sometimes it's not the one we remember. We, things are slightly different because it's a different quantum. You make a decision to go left instead of right, and then you're in another reality. And in that reality, maybe that island didn't exist. But you know the scary part? If the islands were there, and we skipped reality somehow and changed them, and now we're in one that doesn't have those islands, our relatives that might have lived there, our friends that we might have known. Not only do they not exist in our world anymore, but they never existed. It's one thing to die. Nothing to have existed ever at all. When you remember your father and mother, once they pass away, you feel grief, but you have the memories. But what happens when the memories disappear along with the people and it's just they never were? That scares the heck out of you. It really does. Wow, that's that's fascinating. This the, the the idea of the Mandela effect is it will never get old to me. It's 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 because it, like it's it's like you said, it's almost like a blending of like realities. It seems like it's it's like it's like a clue to like I love the clue. I love when we get clues to like what our reality could really be because like I feel like there's and I know you do that there's something way more going on here than what we we know or what we can perceive. I guess. Well, let me summarize. ask you one last question before we go. Does it frighten you, this concept that there's way more to it that we know? 
No, no, I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, like I used to listen to Art Bell, you know that I obviously have the well, I've been on a show. <laughs> yeah, like but what I'm saying is, do you remember John Lear? He said, don't go to the light. It's a trick. And that's always stuck with me over the years. Like that's uh, that that always like and and now people are talking about it in shows. Like it's not just like it wasn't just John Lear. Like that concept is stuck, and other people are using it in their shows. They're saying, "Oh, the lights a trick. The lights a trick." They don't realize that started with Art Bell. That started with John Lear. Now here's the thing that I want to say for me being the skeptic: How does John Lear know if the lights a trick if he never died? Well, he did die. Rest in peace, John Lear. He's passed away. But at that point, he had not died. So how would he know the light was a trick? Well, it's his opinion. My yeah. brother spoke with him. My brother claims uh, missing time, not abduction. He can't swear to that because he's never been hypnotized. That can influence the outcome of what you believe and think as real. Don't go to a really qualified hypnotist and don't go. So he never did, but he had missing time. He was a friend. And, um, he uh, spoke with John. He really got into it. He even moved to Las Vegas, and his friend from San Diego moved there with his family as well because they both remembered the uh, missing time and wanted to account for it. Got involved in both things. So he talked to John Lear by phone one time, and John Lear at one point said, "Michael, my brother, said, Michael, do you think we're at the top of the food chain? I have a question for you. Do you think we're at the top of the food chain?" My brother said, "I don't know." And he asked, and "I said, well, what did John Lear say?" He said he didn't answer. He left me hanging there with that question. And he said, uh, Rob, do you? What do you think? No. I really don't. And that scares me. Because we think we're in control. We think we're at the top of the food chain. We think we're master. We are. Oh, wow. You so kind of cut out, Rob. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I lowered my voice. Uh, I don't think we are at the top of the food chain. I think and that scares me because I don't know if it's benign or if it's malevolent. And that wow. Well, I, we'll leave it at that. That's, that's, that's fascinating stuff. We're going to have to do another show and maybe get into this more. Like, um, can you tell everybody where to find your books and where to find you? And thank you, Rob. I always so enjoy so much talking to you. These are so much fun. Yeah, it's fun to, to think about things and try to find answers, isn't it? And I think that's what it is. You're innately curious and so am I. Well, you can find most of my books on Amazon. They're in Kindle. They're in print. They're at Smashwords. They're at Barnes & Noble. They're with Simon & Schuster. They're with Permuted Press. They're with a lot of different publishers. In fact, I just got a new book published about the shadow world. Now, this is not a factual book. It's based on what I've learned about the shadow world, but it's fiction. Young adult fantasy set in England. And a publisher in England just accepted that. So uh, that'll be coming out very shortly. But that's, again, it's fiction. It's not fact. But it's based on things I've learned in researching the shadow world idea. But that's you can get the Amazon or wherever. <laughs> well, yeah, th I, I'll have to get it. And thank you, Rob. And uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll email you. But maybe we can set something up and do something again in the near future. That would be nice. And I hope your uh, love life goes better in the future. <laughs> I'm I'm sure it won't, but I mean, thank you. I mean, but I, I, I've lost all hope since. Uh, well, and I I don't want to say that I've lost all hope, but like you know, I'm uh, it's had me down in the dumps. But like, just conversations like this that get me in a better mood. So I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome, and you have a good night. You too. Thanks.